Good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas to everybody. We've got a family service this morning, so if you've got little ones with you, thanks for joining us. They can take notes, color, draw, whatever's going to occupy them. There's plenty of things in the back for them. And if, if they're old enough and they can comprehend what they're doing, they can bring it up to the front afterwards with Christy and get something out of the treasure box for their paying attention with us. So um, thank you for making the, the effort to join us here this morning. So Christmas is over, and now um, the year's coming to an end. We can think about rest finally, right? Yeah. Like, whew, finally, with all that's done now. Well, let me just ask you, how many of us are tired from a long year? Anybody? Difficulties, drama, everything that you can imagine that we didn't anticipate coming into the year. Well, typically, the week in front of us is pretty slow, generally speaking, right? Corporations are kind of tooling things back. School is out. A lot of military folks are on leave. It's an opportunity for a lot of people to just slow down. Not everybody has that, of course, but many of us do. And so we need physical rest, do we not? Our head on the pillow at night, resting, absolutely. And if we're being real, we need more than just a week at the end of the year in order to function the way that God has called us to do that. But there's actually two kinds of rest that we see in the Bible. We have a physical rest that comes from literally doing nothing, like just resting. And then we have a spiritual rest. But where does that spiritual rest come from? Peace through God, the Lord, absolutely. Jesus tells us in Matthew 11 that if we come to him, if we labor, if we're weary, if we're heavy laden, if we go to him, he'll give us something. No, Lee, go back to the one you are just on. One more. You're going to find rest. Good job. I love that answer. Wonderful. Here's what I want us to see and understand. A little bit of a thesis statement, if you will. You find rest from the season in your calendar. You find rest for your soul in the Lord. That's kind of the takeaway, right? Because we can organize our calendar and do all kinds of things and get physical rest. We find rest from the season in our calendar. We find rest for our soul in Jesus. So fair warning up front. I'm just going to I'm going to work through this pretty quick. This is a a teaser sermon. Just giving you something to take with you and consider. I'm not going to give you all the answers. I'm just going to hopefully pique your interest enough to want to go back to the Word and think about this message as you go into 2022. Sound good? All right, if you've got a Bible, open it up to Matthew chapter 11. We'll read our text. Matthew chapter 11. It's just a couple of verses, but there's so much here in these verses. That's why I'm just going to really scratch the surface. Matthew chapter 11. We're going to look at verses 28 through 30. Say amen when you're there. Amen. All right. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Familiar to a lot of us. We, we know this, but we're going to we're going to look at this text, and um, hopefully the Lord is going to reveal some things to us. But let's pray real quick. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord, thank you for the hope that we have in you. 
Thank you for the Christmas season, God, that we're still in. Just because the calendar has changed days doesn't mean that our focus shifts away from you. God, we want to maintain our eyes and our gaze upon you. But not just on a Sunday morning or not just during the week for the activities on our calendar to do things in pursuit of you. But also, Lord, we look to you to find rest. Rest for our soul. God, help us to look to your word this morning with expectation. We ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If you got questions, you can text that number. Um, and we'll come up at the end and answer as always. But just want to give that opportunity to you. So a little bit of context, real briefly, regarding the passage. So we're pulling this out of Matthew. This is obviously Jesus' words. If you have a red-letter Bible, they would have been in red on your, on your text. So the law was given to the people of Israel through who? Moses. Remember the tablets came down and then he was giving, issuing the law through Moses. And it was designed to show the people their need for rescue. It proved to the people that they couldn't uphold the law on their own. They actually needed somebody else to help them come to the Lord perfect and righteous. They could not do it on their own. And they knew that. But the religious leaders of Jesus' time, they took it further. They said, okay, here's the law, but we're going to do all these other things around the law to help you uphold the law. And all they did was make it more difficult. It actually served as a burden and to bog down the people even more. Right? So they think they're helping and they're not at all. And so with that inability to keep the law, they carry guilt and shame and frustration and all the things that go along with that, right? It's a bad scene. But Jesus came to fulfill the law. He came to rescue people and to set them free. So today, I think, we're burdened by maybe some different kinds of things than our first century Jewish brothers and sisters. But regardless of the burden itself, the issues remain the same. We can run ourselves ragged, and sometimes we do, in trying to do all kinds of things. Even in the name of the Lord. <laughs> Spiritual things that we think are going to help our status before the Lord. If I show up to church, if I serve, if I give, if I just do enough of these things, I'll be seen as enough. My friends, let me tell you this. None of these things really, truly matter when it comes to your relational status with the Lord. There's nothing inherently wrong with these things. We ought to do these things, but they don't elevate your position in terms of your relationship to God. They do not equal a healthy Christian lifestyle. Because you can do all those things for all the wrong reasons and be nowhere with the Lord. So, like I mentioned before, we're not talking about a spiritual checklist. That's not what we're after. But I, so this is not a, a message to tell you not to do these things. But in this message, you should also evaluate why you do the things that you do in service of the Lord. What is the source of the reason why you want to do those things? And what is the source of your joy as you're doing those things? And not just these examples, but everything in our lives. Like the religious leaders, we can fill our lives with all kinds of extra stuff that serves no real purpose in God's kingdom. So let's spend a little bit of time this last week of the year just sort of evaluating what am I doing with my life in service of the Lord? Is, is it something that pleases him? 
Should I be doing it? Is there something I should be doing and I'm not doing? What is my motivation, focus? What's the source of my joy and energy in doing these things? Can we do that? Spend some time doing that? I hope that we do. But let me just ask you, though, why do we think sometimes that doing a bunch of things will help our spiritual cause? I think for a lot of people, it's that we believe that in doing a bunch of things, God's going to see us as we've got it all together. And the people around us are like, oh, man, that guy's really got it going. Look, check her out. She's like always here, always serving, like doing things equals in our mind a right status before people before God. Do, do we want people to look at us and think that we've got it all together and that things are great, if we're honest? I mean, yeah, <laughs> we do. Not Maybe not all the time, but we want people to think well of us. But here's the beauty of the passage today. We're not meant to come with all of those things and life together. That's, that's not the point. And I hope you, you, you know that. He doesn't call people to come to him once they've got life all figured out and they're just knocking it out of the park. Jesus says, if you're tired, if you're broken, if you're mourning, lonely, sad, desperate, then come to me. He wants us to come to him in that state because it's there when we truly begin to receive the kind of rest that we need for our souls. It's here that we can truly experience the kind of peace that he offers. So let's walk through the passage briefly. First off, he says, come to me. Come to me. So this is a strong appeal for people to come to Jesus. It's twofold. It's for the non-believer to come to Jesus, to surrender their lives, to turn from whatever it is that they're relying on, whatever they're depending on, and turn their focus and dependence upon the Lord. So one is that it's a call for people who are not trusting in him to trust in him. It's salvation. But for believer, for us here today that have put our faith in Christ, it's a call to follow him on a deeper level with a total and full dependence upon the Lord. That's what he's asking. The language of coming to him, it's an intimacy. It's a closeness. This is the kind of relationship that Jesus wants for us. Close, real, transparent, authentic, dependent, life-giving. That's the kind of closeness that the Lord wants. That's how we are, to come to him. Then he says, come to me. That's go to Jesus directly, not by way of performance or earning our way in. That's not what he's talking about. A personal, relational status between Jesus and his people. It's a relationship that's not based on our action, right? It's not. Just check a bunch of boxes so maybe we can squeeze through the door of Christianity. No. Come as you are, ready to receive the rest and the care and restoration of your soul. Is that how you come to Jesus? I hope that it is. What's the scope of the call? How many or who can come to him? Come to me all. That's exactly what it means. All means all. It's an offer to all people. God's not a respecter of persons. Meaning you and you and you and me and everybody in the world, regardless of socioeconomic background, status, does not matter. To him, we are all the same. Our humanity is equal. 
He welcomes all people to come. And so this goes against some people's beliefs that we got to clean up our lives and then we can come to him. No, that's not the case. He says, all people, come as you are. Come broken, come needing. All who? All who what? All who labor, or some translations say, all who are weary and heavy laden. Now, who here among us has not felt weary or heavy laden in their journey this year so far? Raise your hand real high. You have not been weary, tired, heavy laden. You know, hands went up. So all of us, right? The words used here are aimed at the non-believer for salvation. So we're still talking both ends of the spectrum here. Yes, non-believers come to me because they are laboring and heavy laden and, and weary in life, looking for something, looking for hope in things that will never give them hope. But for the believer who remains at a distance from Jesus, Christians who have yet to fully give and surrender all that they have over to Christ. It's the ones who exert a lot of energy to shoulder a burden that is not theirs to carry. That's who Jesus is calling. And some of you here this morning are in that category. You're carrying a burden and you're walking wearily and you don't need to. So let me ask you this. Maybe not now in this moment, but what are some ways, what are some things that we carry that are not ours to carry? What are some things that make us weary and heavy laden in this life? Examples. Someone did you wrong a long time ago, right? So you're holding on to that. Maybe you didn't forgive them. Good. What else? Other people's salvation. Other people's salvation. <laughs> That's great. It's not ours to do. Uh, you know, our, our responsibility is to witness and share and live a life that is appealing. But that the, their actual transformation is not our burden. You said something here? Bills. Bills. <laughs> okay. The stress and worry and anxiousness of provision. Right? That is a huge one, right? Trusting in the Lord that if we do our part, yes, we have to have jobs and we do these things, but God provides. He promises that he will meet every need. What else? Health issues. Absolutely. I mean, yes, we can do all kinds of things. We can work out. We can be in great shape. But there are some things inside of us genetically that we just don't have control over. Is it going to help us if we worry about them? In fact, what is it going to do? It's actually going to do the opposite. It's going to be a detriment to our health if we try to hold on to these things and worry about it and, and freak out. Maybe you've got children that are, are struggling with a health issue or, a, or even a mental health issue. All of these things and more are burdens and things that we carry that are not for us to carry. We are to be free of those things because what do they do in the big picture of our obedience to Christ? They hinder us. They hold us back or they slow us down at least. And all of this effort, apart from the work of the Lord, it creates in us a weariness. The implication that he's talking about here is to labor to the point of exhaustion. Many of us are exhausted in our Christian walk, and there are people all around us in, in church and out of church that are just exhausted. They're at their end. That's not what Jesus desires for his people. He's got something much better. He has a promise, and the promise is associated with that call. He says, come to me, all who weary 
and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Now, we love that idea, right? As mentioned, rest is something that we all need more of. But how do we get the kind of rest? How do we get this rest? Because in verse 29, he tells us that part of the process is to take on his yoke. That just sounds like more work to me. i got to take on this thing now. I'm already tired. But it's the rest of the verse that we need to look at that's going to help us, I think. Uh, He's saying, take it and then learn from me. Learn, the tense of the verb, is ongoing. It's not a a one and done, just take a thing and then you have everything you need. It's a constant, daily, everyday, repetitive kind of learning that we're talking about. It describes a process of gathering information from the word of God, from God himself, getting that information, then applying it into our lives, and then making changes based on how we applied it into our lives. It's like, okay, I tried this, that didn't work, maybe I missed the mark, let me try something different. The idea is growth. That's the kind of learning that we're talking about here. Learning that produces change, not learning for the sake of accumulating knowledge. You can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you have yet to apply it into your lives and then adjust based on how that went for you, it's almost for naught. I mean, the word of God is never for naught, but if we don't do something with it, he says, take it on and learn from me by hearing and obeying, by doing, by applying it into our lives. That's the learning that he has in mind. It results in transformation and not the accumulation of knowledge. Amen? But this idea of taking on his yoke, it's an interesting concept because we just don't understand kind of yoking things together and that kind of stuff. So I want to read something that I saw recently that I think will help us a little bit, if I can pull it up. So think about the idea of um, taking on the yoke. What is a yoke, anyway? So I got the basic hand and arm signals. The basic thing, whatever that thing is that goes around cattle, uh, sometimes oxen and things like that, and they're, they're... Yoked, they're attached to something behind them. Usually, it's plowing a field. It's it's a lot of work, and and generally speaking, there's more than one. Usually, side by side, there's two oxen, right? And they're equally yoked. They both have each the same 50/50, right? And they're going. So that's kind of the picture here. But here's what I read that I think will help us when it comes to taking on Jesus' yoke. There was an old farmer plowing with a team of oxen. As I saw this team, I was somewhat amazed, for there was one huge ox and the other one was a very small bullock. That ox towered over the little bullock that was sharing the work with him. I was amazed and perplexed to see a farmer trying to plow with two such unequal animals in a yoke and commented on the inequality to the man with whom I was riding. He stopped his car and said, I want you to notice something. See the way those traces are hooked to the yoke? You'll observe that the large ox is pulling all the weight. The little bullock is being broken into the yoke, but he's not actually pulling any weight. My mind instinctively came to this passage of Scripture, where the Lord said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. In the normal yoking, the load is equally distributed between the two that are yoked together. But when we are yoked with Jesus Christ... He bears the load, and we are yoked to him, and share in the joy and the accomplishment of the labor, but without the burden of the yoke. He shoulders the load, but we share 
in the joy and accomplishment of the labor. (laughs) Jesus tells us that when we learn from him in this way, we grow in a relational depth. There's an appreciation to know that he is actually doing all the work and he invites me into the process to walk alongside of him. That's incredible. (laughs) And when we do that, there's a sense of increasing rest in us. So what's the point here? Stop trying to carry the weight of the burden yourself. Quit bearing your own burden. All right, Jesus says that he is gentle and lowly in heart. Like I've said it before, but I'll say it again. This is the only time in the Bible where Jesus describes his own heart. There's nowhere else in scripture where he does this. And it serves to show us why we can come to him and trust him and take on his yoke. Because there's no concern on our part, there should be anyway, that when we take on his yoke, we're going to somehow be disappointed or it's going to cause us to struggle even more. No, he's gentle, he's understanding, compassionate, humble in the way in which he loves us and walks beside us. There should be no fear in, in, in worrying about taking on Jesus' yoke. That's not going to be what he promises it. He's gentle and lowly. In fact, his gentle and lowly heart is exactly what our brokenness and our weary hearts need. And I'd even go so far as to say that it is our brokenness and our weariness that qualify to come to him in the first place. That's who he's calling. Come to me now. You need my help. He's he's trying to advocate for us to go to him in our need. There's a great book over there on the the bookstand called Gentle and Lowly. And a lot of this, I mean, I'm just like, I'm barely scratching the surface. That's a whole entire book on these couple of chapters, these verses. I would encourage you to to read it if you've got some time. Um, But that's, that's what we're talking about here. Amen. Thank you for that. So is this casting off all responsibility and just sort of burying our head in the sand? No, not at all. But it's taking the weight of the responsibility off of our shoulders and putting it on Jesus. How do we do that? Because that's the key question everybody's looking for, right? We do it through seeking Jesus. He said, seek first my kingdom and I'll do what? All these things, everything that you're worrying about, food, clothes, all that stuff. You seek me first, don't worry about it. I've got your back. We learn from his word. We apply it into our lives, helping to shape our decisions, our responses to stress and anxiousness and worry, difficult situations, and deepening our understanding of God as a father. We just, we just sang about it. What kind of father is he? He's a good father. Who wants to comfort us in our time of need. Who doesn't want us to be distracted by the burdens of our lives. We give them to him in order to find the rest. In order to love him and love others well. And so what happens when we encounter Jesus in this way? He tells us that we find rest for our souls. So do you need rest today? Do you know that you can... Go to Jesus to to find the kind of rest that you're after. For the unbeliever and the believer alike, that's the answer. Go to him, take his yoke, learn from him, and find rest. 
I'll just close with this illustration. It's not really an illustration. It's the only example I can think of in my life of like a carrying a weight and a burden and being lifted off me is doing a lot of hikes in the Marine Corps. Um, you know, you're going for miles and miles and miles, and finally you get to the end. You've got, you know, whatever, 30, 40, 50 pounds on there. And you get to where you're going, you throw it off, and immediately you feel lighter, but you still have that sensation that the pack is still there. Right? Like your shoulders, it, it feels, but you feel like you could jump a thousand feet in the air. You're like, dude, I could, I could run three miles in like five minutes right now. Like, I'm ready to go. But there's that weird sensation that, that it's still on your shoulders, but it doesn't weigh anything. That's the only way I can think about it. It's not that it just disappears. It's still there. Like, that burden doesn't go away. It's not like, all of a sudden, woo, life is great. No, it's still there, but the weight of it that's holding you down is gone. Because you cast it off onto him. That's, that's the only like practical illustration I can have. So if you're thinking like, oh, I'm just going to give everything to the Lord and then I'm never going to have another worry in my life. Like that's not what I'm talking about here. But you have things in your life right now that you are, are holding back from God. No, God, I've got this. For whatever reason, whether it's you don't think he can take it, he doesn't want it, or it's pride. Something is holding us back from going, Lord, just take it. He's after your heart to fully surrender, like fall on the feet, fall at the face of Jesus, like just just go down, right? We don't like that word surrender, but that's what we're talking about here. Giving everything over to him. Amen. So you find rest from the season in your calendar. You find rest for your souls in Jesus. Let's let's take that this week and see if we can't. Bring that into a little bit more focus. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the word. Thank you that we can come to you as we are, broken and tired and desperate. Lord, we don't need to have it all together. In fact, you don't want us in that way. Because... When we don't acknowledge our need for you, we don't go to you. When we think we're all good, then what need of help do we have? God, help us to be honest with ourselves. Help us to be transparent. You know our hearts. You know what we need before we ask it, Lord, but you invite us into this process. Help us to come to you tired and weary, needing rest, taking upon us, your yoke, learning from you, applying your truth into our lives, casting our burdens and cares onto you, trusting that you will walk side by side with us, bearing the load. Thank you so much for your help in this season. God, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.